continue along talking about missions, and just right now in this moment, I've decided to make this sermon two parts, and emphasize half of it, and come back to it a week after next Sunday, which is Youth Sunday. Because I sense a kind of sweet spirit in this place that I think is not just of my own imagination, and Listen, it strikes me as I'm going through talking about missions that it's a topic that often is relegated way to the back seat of most local churches because it feels like something that somebody else does. It feels like something that the mission committee does and maybe even in some churches the mission committee isn't nearly as robust as what has developed here in this place. And I said at the beginning, and I continue to really want these messages to be rather specific. Right? Not just theology and philosophy of missions, but like Mount Hope as a people. You know, sometimes it's like I'm teaching and thinking through theology, and then I want to apply it. Today I want to talk about us, and then I'm hoping anybody else who hears it will get the bigger picture. I don't want you to think that because Pastor Chris is a missionary that it's like all I care about is missions in some kind of manipulative way. It's that the message of the New Testament is primarily about the mission of God and the church that carries it out. And too often, especially in modern Christian settings, and I mean modern like for the last, oh, I don't know, since about A.D. 70 or so, it would appear that we, we constantly institutionalize our way rather than being the people of God, being mobile, being moving people who are alive in the world and see our faith as not something that happens as an expression of worship only characterized by gatherings like this, but rather that our whole life is given over to expressing worship to God by being the people of God in the world. And, and, and what the heck does all that mean? Well, these, these two passages of Scripture, they, they tell us that God's mission has a way. And often, churches, especially in our climate, and our culture, get very far from that way. Politics hijacks the church. Social striving and sociological factors, stuff that's going on in our society, hijacks our minds. And then rather than being like distinctly Christian and decidedly followers of Jesus in the world, what do we become? We become carriers of good morality who do some good. I was watching Ephraim in that play, The Wizard of Oz, last night at uh, Inspire Theater. It's the place where Wendy lives of late. And uh, uh, she does a lot of stuff there. And uh, I love The Wizard of Oz. Man, do I love The Wizard of Oz. Always have. I've probably watched The Wizard of Oz 500 times in my life. When I was a kid, anybody wait for it every year? You knew when it was coming on, right? I'm like, i got to watch Wizard of Oz. Nothing else matters right now. That was back before Netflix. For you millennials. There's one scene in The Wizard of Oz at the end, right? Everybody knows it. If you don't know it, like, even Canadians know Wizard of Oz, right? You know what I'm saying? And uh, there's one scene at the end where the wizard is impressing upon, you know, the, the main characters, like, wait a minute. You know, you always had a heart, he says to the Tin Man. He's impressing upon them that they always had these 
characteristics. The, 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 the brain and the heart and the courage, they, they just weren't understanding who they were. And, 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 he, and he says to the tin man, uh, you know, he says, uh, where I come from, there's, uh, there's people who, who do good things. They're called do-gooders. <laughs> I call it too good. It's like what? That's, I love that. I love. I love everything about the Wizard of Oz. And, uh, he he makes a good point there. God calls us to do good things, but Christians aren't only supposed to be do-gooders. That's not what this is. That's, that's not what this is. Sometimes we take people on mission trips to Haiti, and we take someone there who says, "Oh yeah, I can get on board with your." humanitarian stuff and I'm always like wait a second we're not humanitarians we're sharing the compassion of Jesus Christ because that is the way to fulfill the mission and then and and then those are like the humanitarian types and then like my my friends that are like super conservative really fundamentalist in their understanding of of scripture and the historic christian church and, and even more so sort of in their in the character of how they live it out they're like wait a minute no it's only matthew 28 the gospel preach the gospel i don't want to give food to somebody who's i don't do nothing that here but i, I don't think either one of those two things is true god's not calling us to be a do-gooder society there are do-gooder societies out there and they know nothing of the gospel and then nothing of the compassion of jesus christ and there and then there are there are there are sadly there are some fundamental type of christians i don't know a better way to put it i hold to the fundamentals but like there's a kind of spirit that can come along in christianity that that pickens that pickets an abortion clinic without helping a young woman that that uh you know thankfully that seems to be becoming less and less the case and and, and there's a kind of christianity that's like just preach the gospel and start with hell <laughs> and say it a lot and it's like wait whoa slow down what I see happening in the New Testament is the way that we're supposed to be about in this world is a loving, Christ-compassion, grace-filled, Holy Spirit-fueled people in the world who engage a broken world and call it to healing. And yes, repentance is a part of the healing. We preach the Gospel on a foundation of the grace of God. Here's a really clear example. A young man, a friend of mine in Haiti, one time I was walking to go deliver a sermon at a church. I'd parked my car off in the distance and I was walking on this gravelly dirt road in the evening. In the summer in Haiti, it was like 138 degrees. I'm sweating like everything and I'm walking up and I'm thinking through what I'm going to say and and I'm walking into this church and I see this young friend of mine who I know doesn't eat every day. Who I know doesn't eat at that time often more than two or three times. Two or three days in a row without food. And I said, hey, how are you doing? He's like, huh? Muela, he says, I'm here. I said, uh, you got food in your house? You know I don't have food in my house. You know me. I said, I know. I just wanted to ask. And this is what I said. And this is not like breaking my own arm, man. I pray that God would put every one of us in a thousand situations to be broken enough to comprehend what I'm about to say. I said, hey, I'm about to go over here and preach. Come listen. I'll give you a ride home. I'll buy you some food. 
You preach the gospel because without it many eternally perish. You share the compassion of Christ because for a thousand reasons, not the least of which is because that what, that's what authenticates our love. The message of the gospel. It's, it's sharing Christ's compassion that authenticates the message of the cross. You know, it's like... Uh, Look, I know you all know technology because somebody's cell phone keeps going off. <laughs> Listen, it's like, it's, you know what it's like? It's like this. Maybe you could say it this way. It's like the password of the legitimacy and authenticity of our faith is compassion. Right? Like anybody ever, you go to type in your password? I know most of you, it's like password, one, two, three, or something like that. I get it. If I get your one password, I got them all probably. At least for me, that's almost true. And uh, the, the, the password to get in to the authentic with God life as is, is you go to express it to other people is compassion. It's compassion. That's, it's love. It's kindness. It's mercy. It's grace. Because what better evidence is there when we proclaim the grace of God has come in Christ than the grace of God being visibly present in us. First time I was in Haiti, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm speaking to a room full of pastors, trying to train pastors on uh, with, with expository uh, principles of expository preaching. How to preach in a way that, that comes from the Bible. And it was early one morning, and I was talking, you know, and these guys are all falling asleep. And I said to my translator, I, that in those days I always needed a translator, I said to my translator, I'm like, why are they falling asleep? I'm a fabulous lecturer. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, do you have any idea what kind of big deal I am? These guys should be awake. He's like, I don't know about that, but I know this. Sac vid pa compé. Sac vid pa compé. You know what? I'm going to be super cheesy. Say that with me. It's Haitian Creole. I don't care. Maybe you'll meet a Haitian tomorrow. Sac. Like a sock on your foot. You're wearing socks on your feet, right? Sock. Vid. We would spell it V-E-E-D. They spell it V-I-D. Sock vid. Pa. Like papa, only one. Pa. This is a little harder. Compe. K-A-N-P-E. Sock vid pa compe. You know what that means? You just said it. You should know. Why are you doing saying stuff? You don't know what it means. I could have just had you say a thousand things. Sock vid pa compe. An empty sack doesn't stand up. They were hungry. They were hungry. These guys, these guys were hungry, and so they were tired. And, and, then, and then I'm like, well, whoa, stop, Daniel. Just stop everything. I said, I got money, man. I'm, I'm not rich by American standards, but I can buy these guys food. We, we, we sent a guy out on the street for like 20 bucks. We got some, some chopped up mangoes. You look, go to Haiti long enough, you get awfully tired of mangoes. They're super cheap. They're available. Some chopped up mangoes and some crackers and some cold water. All of a sudden, everybody realized what a fabulous lecturer had come to visit them. <laughs> you want to know among the reasons compassion care matters? Because how do you preach the gospel to someone who doesn't have the mental faculties to listen because they're hungry? So people are like, what are you doing? What are you, what, what's with all the humanitarian stuff? In Matthew 22, you just heard it said, you want to fulfill all the commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Because the man or woman who gives themselves over to doing that will type in the authentication code, will demonstrate to the world that this gospel changes lives. It changed mine. Matthew 25, 35 and 36. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. There are enough people in this world sharing a perverted version of this gospel, living Pharisees' lives, preaching something they don't do, and maybe in their heart of hearts don't even believe. From an angry place of judgment, whereby they judge the world and it seems to be an expression of the judgment that they only know inside of themselves because they've never really been covered up by the grace of God and entered into it. I would have us not to be Pharisees, but to obey the commands of Christ. It's not just a practical matter. How do they listen to the gospel if they're hungry? Jesus says, when you feed someone who's hungry, it's as though you did it unto him. And you know what that does? I'm not going to ask you to raise any hands. It crushes the 10,000 reasons you and I often use not to help. What are they going to do with the money? Yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into all wisdom. There's a time and a place... There's a time God's going to tell you, don't help them, that's a con, that's a lie. But don't let your cynical assumptions about the intentions of everyone who's in need drive you away from sharing the compassion of Jesus and missing out on the greatest blessing of being the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. What are they going to do with the money? How'd they get that way? Well, if they just pull themselves up by their bootstraps, like me... They wouldn't be in that position. Maybe they ain't got no boots. Maybe they don't have hands to grasp the bootstraps. The command of Christ is not share compassion when you can rationalize it. Right? I'd offer them forgiveness, but they don't deserve it. That's the point. Okay? Nobody who ever received grace earned it, or else it wouldn't be called grace. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. Do you know that a major crisis in places like Haiti and in much of the world is simple access to clean drinking water? Oh, is it huge? I was a stranger and you invited me in. I love this phrase in Creole. Moi t'es estranger. Ou t'es bon moi yon bon place. Nan la caillou. In Creole they say they translate it. It says, uh, I was a stranger and you reserved for me a good place in your house. 
You didn't just let me in. You let me in like a friend. I was a stranger and you invited me and I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. I'm going to drag this out for at least two weeks, maybe longer. I'm going to share with you one story and close this out. Years ago, the year we lived in Haiti, my sons had a, had a friend who came to visit. And, uh, you know, in, in Haiti, it's like, in that cultural context, and I apologize for using Haiti so much. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to speak from experience. I, uh, these principles apply universally. If your gospel doesn't preach in every corner of the world, it ain't the gospel. In Haiti, they're very particular. It's like a, in Haitian culture, no one's going to come in your house unless they're invited in. And I mean, they're pretty specific about this. Any res- really anybody, but especially anybody who's like at all respectful. They won't come into your house unless invited. You know, one day I had this man and I, we were talking and he had come over to the house to do work. And, and I'm talking, telling him all about the problems I have at that time in like some really clunky Creole. And I'm telling him, telling him, telling him. I kept walking in the house because I was going to show him the plumbing problem I had. And I'm, I'm talk, I was talking for like three minutes. And I turned around. He's waiting at the door. And I'm like, oh, you know how hard it was for me to muster up all that Creole? And uh, Gary said, hey, he is not coming in unless you invite him. Because he works for you. That's what Gary said. He works for you. And so then, and then you know, another day, my son's friend came to visit. My, all of our family friend. And uh, this little boy who they'd known, known for a while, and he was a good, a good friend, good friends of the family. And they'd come down to Haiti to visit. Well, he came, to the, he came in, right, like, he walked in the house, started eating all the food, and like, you know, at, drank a Coke and like slammed it down. And he's like, can I have another Coke? And, and, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was Ephraim. was like, yeah, have all the Cokes you want. You know, yeah, take them all. Oh, you want, you want some more cookies? I think we got some cookies. Give them everything. I share these two to juxtapose this and give you this one thought. The man who came as a worker wasn't part of the family and waited at the door. He was working for me. But the little boy, he came with his hand held by my son. So he came right in, knew he was welcome, feasted at the table. You and I aren't workers for God. I'm not asking you to like go to the nations. Well, that thing doesn't spin very well, does it? I'm not asking you to go to the nations. I'm not inviting you as, 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 a, as an ambassador of the gospel to participate in sharing the compassion of Christ as a foundation for proclaiming the good news that he has risen. I'm not doing that so that you and I can, can have some kind of gospel of works. Don't you realize? Aren't we able to wake up to the fact that if we feast at the table of grace, it was the Son that held our hand and brought us into the master's house and invited us to the table and said, feast, it's all yours. It's as my dad is so full of love that it's as though you're me. 
And then you and I, we don't, listen, we don't have a right to feast at the table of God's grace without also assuming the responsibility to go out into the highways and into the byways. We'll talk about that in two weeks from now. To go out into the highways and the byways and invite others in. Who are we to, to hoard the food that's available at the master's table like he did it all for us because we're so cute and we're so worthy and we're so lovely? This is an invitation that God gives to us to share the grace we've been given. That's all it is. It's like, it's like one beggar who found the, the, who found the, the table of food saying to all the other beggars, Hey, you gotta check this out! They're just giving it away! Listen, God's mission has a way, and that way is compassion. It's neither judgmentalism or freewheeling, you know, just humanitarian, all that. It's none of that. It's me picking up my cross, following after Jesus, and then doing all things to all men as unto the Lord. Amen. Let's conclude our time celebrating God together and making a kind of affirmation of our commitment to be a blessing in this world.